Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. So we got all these callers waiting, but well, hold on a minute. If you're from Center Grove, you get preferential treatment around here on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. It is Trace Jackson Davis who joins us now. I give all the CGers, the former CGers, too, preferential treatment on this show. <laughs> <laughs> is that the way that it should? Is that the way that it should be? Absolutely, Man. absolutely. I figured you'd feel that way. How are things going? Well, things are going well. Um, just finished up practice, um, kind of getting our game plan set uh, for Saturday, big one. And uh, we just got to lock in and be focused and ready. I can imagine that this place is automatically going to be rocking at 4 o'clock on Saturday, before that even. Um, and I know that it's important for you, Trace, to be juiced up, and you're going to get a lot of juice from that crowd. But you have to be careful not to to let that overflow, not to get too fired up in preparation for this rivalry matchup Saturday? No, absolutely. Um, Coach Woodson is a big on that, um, just – kind of keeping that intensity bottled up bottled up because um, like obviously we're ready to play right now but um uh, we still got a lot of things that we got to go over they're a really really good team with a lot of different actions so um i'm just focusing and locking in i know my teammates feel the same way so yeah we'll get to more of that coming up in a minute i want to double back to tuesday night in college park maryland what, what did you gather from watching the film of that game uh, and I know it was disappointing. Five-game win streak at hand. That was snapped on Tuesday night. But uh, some of the reasons that you saw on tape again, uh, some of the things you have to correct that led to that loss. Um, I think the biggest things that we had to correct were, um, obviously, they, they didn't shoot that well from the floor, which gave us a chance. But um, with the zone that they did and um, the double teams that were coming really quickly, um, a lot of teams have been waiting. So, um, just things like that we need to adjust on the offensive end. I mean, we saw the chance, obviously, fouling as well. So, uh, Trace Jackson Davis with us. Hey, defensively, when a team handles you with a direct double team, is that more difficult to deal with? Maybe difficult is the wrong word. Uh, more challenging to deal with, or is it more challenging when somebody kind of comes halfway and then kind of adds a late double to you? Um, I feel like I can handle both of them. I feel like but in the – past few weeks it's been more of teams have been waiting and then coming and so it gave me more time to make a decision but um we we practice a lot in practice today with the quick double and just how i need to make my decisions quicker catch it deeper and stuff of that nature and so um we got it figured out and hopefully squared away just in case that happens again he is trace jackson davis of iu iu purdue coming up at four o'clock on saturday this is something i gather i'll go back to the michigan state game i thought you guys offensively especially ball side when you were posting a ball side and tomorrow was on the same side and and there was a quick double at you you kicked that out and he was knocking down those open looks i i, I think if you can find somebody whether it's tamar bates or trey or anybody that can do that that takes this offense to an absolute different level no absolutely um we got four guys that are shooting about 40 percent from three and so just being able to have guys like that it spaces the floor so well our team becomes very dangerous especially when everyone's hitting shots so um 
I love passing the ball. I love passing to my teammates. And so just getting them their shots and just building their confidence is big for me. Hey, Trace, I know you put together goals and thoughts in your head going into a season about what you're wanting to accomplish as a team, and I'm sure individually. 19 and a half and over 11 boards per game, is that in the, the neighborhood, the ballpark that you expected from yourself going into the season? Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing for me was just um, speed better than I was last year. And um, obviously I've succeeded that so far, um, especially with um, assist and uh, blocks as well. I think I've done a good job on the defensive end of the floor. Um, but there's still a lot of seasons left or season left, and so I just got to continue to build. I think the one thing that a lot of people have noticed is that that level of leadership. It seems like not only trying to polish your game for the season, Trace, but also leading by example and then being a vocal leader on the floor. I don't know. I could be wrong, but I don't know if that's something you would have been down with two years ago. Yeah, I I agree. Um, Being more vocal and stepping up, especially uh, after we lost three games in a row, that was tough. Um, But I told our guys, we just got to stay with it. We're going to break through and then we did against Wisconsin and kind of just kept building from there. Obviously Maryland was a, was a letdown, but um, you can't get too low. And um, we, we still got another game, a big one. And so if we, we can get that one, we're, we're right back on track where we need to be. He is Trace Jackson Davis of IU. He's via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I mentioned 4 o'clock coming up on Saturday. Pre-game coverage downstairs, 93 WIBC. With Don Fisher and the gang, the pre-game show starts at 3 o'clock from Bloomington. Uh, you don't have to give away the game plan at all here, but if you want to, you can. Uh, anyway, you don't have to. Defensively, um, how much do you plan on checking produce Zach Eady or is this something you cannot talk about is this double secrecy going on here um, I don't really think it's a secret um, obviously uh, he's a great player um, that their offense flows through him um, we're going to throw a lot of different combinations at him so um, you just we just got to play him and whatever works um, if we find something that works we just got to stick with it so what's your uh, impression on his game and how it has evolved from where it is now um, compared to last year? Just from the difference between last year, um, I think the biggest thing for him, he he always was able to do this, but um, sharing minutes with Travion, who's also a great player, um, just kind of just kind of foreshadowed or like it was kind of shadowed of what he could actually become. And just him playing 30, 30 plus minutes a game for how big he is is actually incredible. Um, his motor, his motor is very high and um, he's got very, very good touch around the rim. I mean, he's put a lot of focus in his left hand, which is um, big. Being able to go over both shoulders at that size is huge. And, and he's got great footwork as well. So uh, the plan for you, are you preparing for them to bring the double early and often Saturday? defensively yeah i think every time we played them they've doubled me so um that's that's what i'm planning and expecting them to do this time as well where your team is right now is this what you expected where where are you with with this team i know coming off a disappointing loss it kind of skews your viewpoint just a little bit but where you are with this team right now considering where you thought you were going to be and and maybe even trace want to be at this point um obviously um bearing injury we are, we are sight set on winning the Big Ten, but um, we just got to take it one game at a time. And so um, I'm, I'm actually very happy where we are right now, especially after losing three games, um, being able to battle back and win five straight. Um, then the Maryland game kind of 
upsetting, but again, you can't get too high, too low. And so I'm happy where we are, but obviously we just got to keep building as a team and we got to just keep playing for each other. Trace, we were talking earlier about you evolving as a, a vocal leader, both on and off the floor. What do you share with Jalen Hood Shafino, who hasn't been through this collegially before coming off an offensive game like Tuesday night? I just, I basically just told him to wash it. Uh, just get, get all of that out of your head. Um, we got another one coming up. Um, he, a lot of people forget that he's a freshman and um, he's been playing huge for us. He's our second best player. And so just him just being confident, um, especially probably the biggest game of the year coming up, um, it's huge for him. Um, and so that's basically what I told him is that, hey, you know, we need you. We're, we're going to need you Saturday. And um, I know you're probably mad about how you perform against Maryland, but at the same time, we got a flush in. We got another one coming. So, so Trace Jackson Davis with us. A couple more things before I let you go. Xavier Johnson, what, what do you see uh, as far as I'm not going to ask you his return time, but you, you think that you're getting closer and closer to that? Because it seems like more and more we see him, the more and more he's working out before games and trying to get back into it. Um, getting closer and closer here? Yeah, I, I think we're pretty close. Um, obviously, we don't want him to return too soon. Um, but um, I think he's eager, and I know we trust Timmy G, um, and Dr. Rink, and they're gonna they're gonna have him out there when we know it's ready, which I think is gonna be soon. So, hey, uh, who found Miller Cop's eyeball in the baseline Tuesday night? My goodness, uh, that thing was yeah. that, that thing was that was nasty right there. Yeah, I, I don't know which player it was. Um, I don't think it was really intentional. Kind of just jabbed him and got him on the swing through, but uh, it is what it is. It's basketball. Um, he's good. Um, he's ready to play again, honestly. So, all right, this is from you to a shout out to the fan base. What's your expectation? And, and I know because you said a little bit earlier that it's it's tough to dial it down in preparation. I know it's round one against Purdue. It's at home, but uh, you, what's your expectation for this fan base as far as uh, the vocal representation you're going to hear on Saturday, which should be very loud? Um, I think it's going to be, in my four years, the loudest Assembly Hall has been. Um, I think I think last year was super loud, but I think even even more this year, just two ranked teams. Um not obviously not a prime time tip off, but four o'clock, um, everyone's going to be awake. Everyone's going to be eager to get to Assembly Hall, and I think it's going to be a great game. So, um, ready to ready to play. But obviously, one more day of preparation, and then it's go time. So, I think it was two days ago. Bobby Marks of ESPN came on here. He's a former NBA executive, general manager, mm-hmm. and, and talked at length about how. I think this past spring or summer, you guys got together and went over some things. From what you found out after the season, for example, a year ago, about what to expect at the next level as a, a professional, um, how much service did that do you? How much good did that do you with that learning experience you went through there? Um, it just just kind of just put it in perspective. Uh, really just the things I need to work on. And then obviously having Coach Woodson. Coach Woodson as well, just listening to him. Um, now everyone's worried about my jump shot, this and that, but um, Coach Woody says that that's not that's not a huge huge thing that I need that I need right now. Obviously, I can work on that at the next level. What what they want to see me do is just be a complete player, being able to play defense, um, screen and roll, finish above the rim, block shots, do stuff of that nature, and see my motor. And I feel like that's something I improved on a lot this year.
How's so. your how's your relationship evolve with Mike Woodson now a year and a half deep into this? Uh, it's it's been good. Me and Coach Woody. Um, sometimes we yell at each other a little bit, but um, we're just both trying to win. Um, he's pushing, trying to get the best out of me, and so um, can't can't thank him enough because he's helped me a lot this past two years. Um, and we love him like he's our dad, and so he's a really really good dude on and off the court. All right, you can't leave us like this. All right, uh, I got to know here, or we have to know. I say we uh, for the five yeah. people other than me that are listening, you and me. Um, what, what are the last two things? What did he yell at you about? What did you kind of get back at him about? Subject matter here. Uh, oh, just if I see something on the floor that I think will work, we, we sometimes butt heads. Um, but there's nothing crazy. Just sometimes, sometimes we don't see eye to eye on plays or forward running and stuff. Sometimes I think I see something that might work. Sometimes he thinks differently, but it is what it is. I usually end up listening and bowing down to what you got to say because he's usually right. Well, I will say this, that that also is a part of, of your evolution as a leader because that's, yeah. that's what a leader would do. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not like you're trying to be an ass about it or anything. You're just no. kind of sharing the knowledge as you're going through being on the floor right now. That's productive to me. Absolutely. All right. Hey, uh, congratulations on the season so far, man. Keep raising that bar, both individually and with that team. And, um, yeah, try to keep that thing between the lines, certainly before 4 o'clock on Saturday, because I can't imagine how much fun you're going to have, you and your teammates down there with Purdue in town. But, Trace, congratulations on everything so far. Tell the family we said hello, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from Gold and Black Illustrated it is Tommy D you know I love last night for one Mason Gillis going off Mason Gillis setting the uh, record inside Mackey Arena for made threes and then afterwards saying that you know, sometimes he's not been as confident to step into a shot and kind of deferring and I don't think Tommy D it's because he doesn't believe that shot's going in because you get to that level and you believe it's going in but I think that's a product of having so many options and one bigger than life apparent option on the best team in the nation. You agree? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think there's a, it's a very competitive roster too, John. Um, uh, and minutes are hard to come by. I, I'm pretty sure you know Mason would like to play more. I think he has to battle Caleb first for some quality PT time. And uh, you're right, uh, but I do think his confidence is continuing to, to rise here. And, of course, that effort last night, my goodness, um, 29 points off the bench. I believe, John, I saw the note, that's the most by any player off the bench this year in a, in a major conference. Yeah, that's a great stat, too. And you know what? You would expect it from Purdue because they have so much and that's why I bring this up all the time I'm sure we'll find out more after the season and certainly winning at this level um, also helps cushion the blow but trying to keep everybody happy that either feels they should be would be being told they should be or just by the numbers alone not getting that clock time they feel they deserve that's a hell of a dynamic for the coach and the coaching staff right there to deal with. You know that, that's life. You know, trying trying to balance egos, trying to balance agendas, trying to balance want to, and to keep everybody happy. I think that's the way you put it. That's that's an apt way to phrase it. And it, it's been a a remarkable juggling and balance act by the coaching staff, right? Um, to, to keep all these uh, all these talented players satiated and, 
and satisfied with, with, the, with their playing time or not getting any destructive, you know, chemistry issues that have derailed this team. I mean, 22-1. and one. You flash back to Big Ten media days at Minnesota, what, way back in October. This team was, what, probably picked fifth or sixth in the Big Ten. Maybe you thought there'd be that big dance team as a sixth, seventh, or eighth seed, and here we are with a generational team having a generational season. Regardless of what's going on around the landscape of college basketball, competition-wise, did you ever expect to see this team looking and playing better than what you felt the team a year ago might in West Lafayette? That's the thing. You're you're, you're a mark to people. Do you realize this team lost a lottery pick, right? Jaden Ivey, obviously. lost a pretty good big man in Travion Williams. And what Eric Hunter, I think, transferred to Butler, and uh, here we are with a team that's uh, that's gotten better. And I, I think it just has what what I think Coach Katie's story say buy-in. You know, uh, they're they're buying in, and I think we're seeing that on the defensive end. That was one big deficiency of last year's Purdue team, right? Was the inability to play good, consistent defense. And boy, the metrics so much different this year. It's been such a big turning point on, on that end of the court. And as for as much publicity and rightfully so that Edie gets, John, what about the, the two freshman guards? I think that yeah. was that was the reason why people had trepidation about thinking this season had any potential to be this, this, this kind of special. I was talking early in the week about Purdue in, in that capacity. And I, I think I brought this up to you before. You know, being able on the road to win and then win in one possession games – is amazing. They did it at home, if you remember, against Maryland as well. Uh, we can have a couple of weeks ago, whatever. And then when you're having to get that execution started yeah. in the backcourt, that makes it to me even even more amazing because this is what I like to call clutchery right here. I mean, they are showing forms of clutchery that to me is relatable and transferable to the type of atmosphere you get ultimately in that NCAA tournament, which I know Boilermaker fans are looking to right now more than anything else. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, we, we all want to fast forward to March and see how this thing's going to end, right? Uh, that, that's where the real excitement is and the real anticipation. Can they finally get that first Final Four trip since 1980? But you talked about the, the ability of Braden Smith in particular, the freshman point guard from Westfield, in those hostile environments at the Breslin Center, at the Chrysler Center, over at Ohio State. I mean, you, you know what the Big Ten's like on the road. It's uh, There's a lot of cauldrons. And for this team to be able to execute in those crunch time moments with those freshman guards has been remarkable. And, John, here we come Saturday, right? Oh, yeah. Eastern time. Uh, Monroe County, uh, that, that, that's going to be the ultimate test, I think. Going into that den against that Indiana team, it's going to be a real test of, of everybody on that pretty roster, obviously. It's a Tom Deanhart of Golden Black Illustrated on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Let's talk a little bit about that game. I was talking to Dane Five yesterday, and I, I guess, honestly, off the jump, felt that maybe we wouldn't see um, at the top of that game Edie and Trace matching up against one another. Will we see that, in your opinion? Now, I'm, I'm not suggesting we wouldn't see it over the course of the game, but at the beginning of the game, I kind of wondered if that would be the matchup. But is that what we're going to see, you think? I would think so. Probably probably maybe a mixture of stuff, but but, but, but why not? I mean, um, obviously, he's going to have to be a, a big focal point here. It will be interesting to see. I'd like your thoughts, still on how you think Purdue – I mean, Indiana will try to defend Edie. How often maybe they're going to double on him and see if Purdue can continue to hit outside shots 
especially in that environment down there. So that's going to be sort of fascinating to me. Well, well, I mean, you can't have Trey's getting it foul difficulties at all. I mean, that just can't happen. Because the margin for error with this IU team certainly uh, is going to be slight even at home. So I, I think you kind of have to to handle the one-on-one experience he might gather against Edie as delicately as possible. Yeah, I, I think I would start out like that and and, and, and see what my foul situation is. If, he, if it's a, a quick foul, maybe change things up. So yeah, that, that's going to be very interesting to see how uh, how that is approached by that IU staff. But, again, it's going to be a good test for those freshmen. And you know what? This is the kind of game where we, we do focus on the big guys, the stars. Talked about the Purdue uh, freshman guards. But, you know, just like last night, it could end up being a guy like Mason Gillis or Caleb First or somebody at IU who ends up really having a big game that wins this thing for their team. I, I just thought this. I thought that maybe First would get the first, no pun intended here, opportunity to check jackson davis and then you know the on the the on the spot adjustment making coaching wise the further we get down the road saturday that's what i was thinking but maybe not no i i, I think you, know, you make a good point he's a, he's a 610 guy who can uh, he's not quite as athletic as as trace but again i think he's a guy that that would would i think match up pretty well with him initially and again maybe they protect Edie a little bit too you know that, that's really been an uncanny thing about this season too is is how uh zach Edie has been able to avoid foul trouble. I think he only averages two fouls a game, which is just remarkable for a guy that big uh, who can draw so much attention. Uh, Tom Dinard, Golden Black Illustrated on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Is there a player is there a player on this team that you want to see more from in terms of production? And I know everybody's happy right now and everybody should be happy right now, but is there a player that you see that you expect and want to see more from? I guess maybe Brandon Newman to a degree for a guy who's been on the program this long. Um, you know, he sort of took it on the chin last year. Uh, I thought maybe this was going to be a year where he took the next step up. He's a, he's a redshirt junior, his fourth year on campus. Can uh, can help you in a lot of ways, but I just think he's been still a little bit too inconsistent for my liking. And a guy I thought maybe would be a little bit more of a more of a bigger role for him this year than than, than we've seen so far. All right, somebody had brought this up to me. I can't remember, Tommy D, if I brought it back to you to answer or not. But some of the things that it hinge on, obviously, getting to where Purdue wants to go. Ethan Morton shot making, when at times we have seen, and I'm expecting that further down the road, where teams are going to say, "All right, uh, you're going to have to beat us," you know, or here we're we'll, you know wide open looks, step into this, whatever. Um, it, it, level of play, level of shot-making ability that he's going to have to provide so teams don't have that thought defensively to handle him in that fashion. I think we saw a little bit of that last night, right? He he was left open on a couple occasions and, and, and calmly drained the, the three-pointer. So we all know his role. He's sort of be, supposed to be the defensive stopper. But like you said, opposing teams are backing off him and daring him to shoot. And again, we saw him convert last night and make Penn State pay so I think that's going to continue you want to see if he can do it each game and boy I tell you what if he can knock down a couple of threes every game I think that's going to have to command some respect from from the opposing defense so let's come out and guard him and maybe open something up for somebody else on that pretty offense all right so you're going to be down there on press row or whatever press row is in Bloomington on Saturday you're going I'm not I'm not going to get down there this year are you going to be down there uh, I've got to do the JMV takeover at six on B one hundred five point seven, so I'll be here in studio watching it. So, 
I, mean, I will, I will yeah. tell you this. Normally, and I don't think it's going to be that type of day, and I've explained this before, being from in and around Bloomington, there's nothing better than having, for example, in the month of February, a surprisingly warm day with a huge game yeah. going on in Assembly Hall. If the temperatures would get up around 50, I think that would be just a perfect day in Bloomington for round number one of that rivalry. There's nothing better than those types. So actually, there is other stuff better, but it's at the top of the list of better things. Tommy D in Bloomington, when there is a big game, it's in February, a little unseasonably warm right there, for example. So makes it even more more fun but that place ought to be rocking Uh-oh. and uh I, I can't i cannot wait to watch it yeah dick Vitale, i tell you what i've been to every big 10 campus i've been lucky enough to, to to get to everyone and sort of walk around and kind of get a sense of the, of the, the school and the and sort of that the, the the hub of bars and restaurants now i'll tell you this my friend Lewington, indiana stacks up there with every or any big 10 school i mean kirkwood avenue there um, the vibe around that town square, it is, it, it's as good as, as any. No, you're, you're going to give me a Bloomington arousal here. Don't do it, Tommy D. Come on. <laughs> Only too early in the show. I, I've always talked about this. Being from there, I know that. But it is, it is always awesome there. So always. Yeah. It is. For the, for the reasons you're talking about. you know. And, and still, even though they've changed, a lot of things have changed down there. Many things have stayed the same. It will be exactly the way that it was and the feeling that you had when you're going through it either back in college or pre-college around there. So that's uh, that makes it even more more special, fun, and really not just for IU fans I'm talking about here. If any Boilermaker fans can get in the building, that will also uh, uh, be fun for them too. What do you think as far as this matchup compared to recent history in IU and Purdue um, with, with teams that kind of bring back or stir the echoes of rivalries of the past? This one of the better ones we're going into Saturday? Oh, I think as far as matchups goes, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're both are, are Ryan High. And I know Indiana's coming off the loss, but pre being a consensus number one in the country, I mean, they're not going down there with any bigger target on the back than they have in my lifetime. I go back to those Troy Lewis teams, and they took some good squads down there in the late 80s. Obviously, Glenn Robinson's team is going in there in the, in the early to mid-90s as well. I mean, th- th- this is going to be as big of a, IU Purdue game in Bloomington as we've seen in years, and I'll tell you what, if somehow Purdue can get out of there with a win, I know we still have what seven or eight games to go, but you know if Purdue is in the driver's seat already, obviously I think a win in Bloomington will give them a, just a heck of a boost in trying to clinch and and, and steam war toward that that Big Ten championship they want to get. Let the records reflect that Tommy D referenced a sniff in the tear song there in that final answer. Driver's seat, <laughs> well done. Well done, Tommy D. For you anything, for you anything, you know, you know, you know my affinity for music, especially the uh the, the headbangers ball nineteen eighties. Oh music. yeah. Yeah. And it's uh Yep, I broke out some docking on the Janvy takeover last Saturday night. Breaking the chains, man. The whole I think I did in my dreams. I think I did that and I did um what did I do? I did break I did Breaking the Law by Judas Priest too, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Judas Priest Rob Halford. Yeah, a lot of fun. I tell you what, it's uh I find myself going in those rabbit holes on YouTube, John. And Why don't you? Those old videos from the 80s. And oh, I remember that song. So it's a lot of fun going back and, and, and reliving those days when I had a lot of hair, too. Tommy D., it's always a pleasure. Enjoy the game on Saturday, and we'll catch back up afterwards. Be good, my friend. Take care. 
Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline right now from CBS4 and Fox 59. Mike Chappell joins us. And this third-round coverage of the Colts head coaching search is brought to you by the St. Shack. Hello, Mike. How are you? I just think we could be going through the Speaker of the House, and what did they go, like nine <laughs> nine rounds or whatever it was? Well, so, you know. Pebble, I was trying to do my best Pebble Beach imitation right there. Third-round coverage from the Pebble Beach right Pro-Am. Now. So, yeah, that's – You know, it's – Really, it's it's annoying, but but it doesn't really matter. It, I mean, if it takes another five days or a week, and I don't think they would announce it next week because the NFL doesn't like to have news happen during Super Bowl week. But just from an operational standpoint, from the team, they're not really losing anything. Although <clears throat> the longer they wait, you know, maybe you don't get some assistant coaches that you want. Because you know, there's other three three other guys are getting their staffs together, but it's just it's. But I'm with you. Let's just do it. Let's just finish it. And at some point, thorough can be overdone. And they've had you know, 13 guys in the first round and eight in the second round. Seven plus, I guess, Steichen's going to be this weekend. Just you know, throw a dart. What are you you looking for at this point? When you go this deep into it, and and I think part of those out there, first of all, this is a a, a double-edged sword for those that are negative about this. It's They just don't believe the Colts will make any sound decisions uh, given the past year plus. There's that non-belief. And then, all right, so nobody at all has blown you away in any of these to where you got to go to a third round and check these guys over one more time? What what I kind of compare it to is with the Hall of Fame selection committee, you know, I had to present Edron like, gosh, four times or five times before he got in. And I'm on number four with Reggie. And on the third or fourth one, there's, there's simply not on all of them. There's simply no new material. You know, Edron didn't rush for more yards in those years. And, and Reggie didn't do all this. So I don't know what these guys a third round, I don't know, you know, what now, you know, Brian Callahan brings his A game. He brings that. Now I'm going to really tell you what I think. So I, I don't know. It, 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 I do wonder what, what can a third interview tell you that the first two didn't. And so I don't know that, that that's what I would wonder is what, what, what is it that you're hesitant on? What is it a case that no one's blown you out of the water? Like you mentioned, or do you have three guys that really, really are right there? But I just don't know what that guy can say in round three that he didn't say in what was really the, the major interview in round two. So, but again, they're going to—they're going to—they have to get it right. Chris Ballard has—he has got to get this right, and he's got to get the quarterback right, or. You know he he won't be long for Indy. That's just that's just the cold hard facts, and and everyone knows in the organization that they've got to get these next two decisions right. So it, it, as much as we wanted to get it over with, just so we can move on, uh, I, I guess they're trying to be as thorough as humanly possible. But I just don't know what you need to hear again from these guys. I I don't know. 
Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59, the Colts coaching search and more with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And Mike, something else that is unique to this particular process so far regarding the length, but also compared to the last time out they were searching for a coach, and when everything went haywire on the 11th hour with Josh McDaniels, and then it like informationally, the, the entire ship, sprung a leak if you remember back then i mean it was just coming out in just gallons um informationally speaking back then but this thing has been as tight-lipped as i can remember around here how about you yeah it's, it's certainly locally certainly locally you know and again there's two or three guys nationally that are plugged into the the agents and these agents are more than happy and willing and eager to get their guy's name and tell you who's going where and all this which which is that's fine but yeah, it's that, that, that's one thing that, that I think is a little bit different. Is they've really locally kept, you know, I've reached out as most of I'm sure the guys around here have, and we're not getting a lot of feedback locally. We, we just haven't, uh, which which you'd think maybe somebody would give something, but they're, but they're not. So as bad as it sounds, we're sort of chasing you know, things from NFL Network or, or whatever, and it, it makes it frustrating. But that's the that's the world we're in. Also, which is really kind of funny with social media, I think we've noticed that four guys are now the front runner. Four different guys have posted that their guy is a front runner, which is kind of crazy because, you know, you, you would think that they would be able to zero in on one guy, but that just shows you that the agent is getting his guy out there and says, you know, I think this guy's got a really good chance. Uh, whenever the team isn't driving the narrative, someone else is, and obviously the team feels no need or desire to set anyone straight if there's bad information out there. That's why, again, I just would, would like this. This is selfish. This is totally selfish. Let's just get it over so we can focus on the next domino to fall. we got the combine coming up. You know, in like three or four weeks, whatever it is. So, but uh, you know, it's where we are, and it unfortunately, is what happens when you have a season, or really a season and a half, a season and two games, go really, you know, in in the dumpster, and you have change. And we've talked. This it's funny how we we have mentioned that you know the last two or three off seasons, boy, this is really important when they need to get this one right. Well. Now they do. This is, you know, we're sort of like it, you know, the hard line in the sand. They, they've got to get this right. Or, you know, it, it, let's say worst case scenario and, and they don't get the right coach and they, and they don't get the right quarterback. I mean, we're, we're looking at, at down seasons for goodness, what, five, six years? So you certainly don't want that. They, they've got to get it right for a lot of reasons. You know, and primarily to get this franchise back on track. It's, uh, Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So I, I come from a different angle here because, you know, you, you hear rumors, people spout rumors on the air, things like that. So it's different than when somebody actually has to, to write that or report that. So I haven't reported it, but I have flopped out some rumors, if you will, and let's see what you think about a couple of these. One would be that Callahan and Steichen are the two major remaining possibilities here. And the other that kind of surprised me, and I've heard this a couple of different times, is that uh, Jeff Saturday is not going 
to be and kind of knows right now that he's not going to be considered. Now, listen, if Jim Mercer has the final call on this, I don't think that's ever going to be the case about Jeff, but it's interesting. I've heard that a couple of different times. Any of those two scenarios make sense to you at all? Yeah, I just just have to believe that after being so thorough and talking to 13 and getting down to 8, that that Chris Ballard has finally convinced everyone else in the organization, primarily the only one that he really had to convince, that there are many, many better options. And again, I am not ripping Jeff Saturday. I am not. I'm just saying that when you line people up, that it would be really hard, as we've talked, for them to go with, with a guy who's had eight games as a legitimate coach. So, and I, I have now, I also heard that the guy from the New York, from New York that covers the giants in some form and said, he heard that wing Martindale was a front runner. Okay. Whatever. But I, I, I think we talked about this last week and I know we did on our podcast with, with Fox 59 and CBS four is to me, it just needs to be an offense. It needs to be one of those coordinators. It just does. You've got so much, you know, hinging on 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 getting the quarterback right and getting this offense fixed because doggone it is, a, is an offense driven league. It just is, and, and it, it, the, the 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 coordinator you bring in will have the most influence on your quarterback without question. And if you go with one of the other guys, a special teams guy or a defensive coach, then he's got to bring in a coordinator to be the guy. I just think that's too many links that you have to hit on. Uh, so I, the, the two quarters just make sense. that they, they, They've proven with, with, with young quarterbacks that they can get the most out of them. Again, with, this has got really good talent around them, too. Keep, let's keep that in mind. But I just think it, it lessens a lot of risks, inherent risks, if you go with a proven coordinator. That, that's why, to me, those two make the most sense. Yeah, see, I'd always wanted somebody with experience. Yeah, I thought it was going to be somebody with experience. Even like like a Dan Quinn or Morris. Well, yeah, and and I I'll be honest with you, Mike. From from what you hear, and and I bring this up all the time. You know, there are a couple of reasons why Jim Irsay hired Jeff Saturday. One was because he believed him in as a coach. The other was he trusted him and he wanted some intel. And we know that. And and you had had heard this as well as I did. We've talked about it before that there was a soft and sliding nature going on with that team uh, that was going down certainly at the end of the Frank Reich tenure. And the way things had been going at the time, if that was the case, it seems like that maybe this team, that locker room of those players that are still going to be around that have been here needed something like that more than they would a first timer right here. I never would have thought that would have been the case until some things started to pop about how things were a little light, softish, and sliding there toward the end of the Reich era. Yeah, and I and I got to admit, I, I was surprised when that came to light, uh, just because I, I, of all things, I thought Frank would never lose the locker room or lose control of that. But from things you hear with guys missing, you know, being late for meetings and guys missing bed checks and all this. And and then one of the most damning, the damning quotes that, that Chris gave us uh, last month when we talked was how, how the team lost its, its competitive confidence 
that when you got in tight games or tight situations, it sort of melted down. Well, that, that's a huge indictment of your team, of your culture. <laughs> no if, you know, if, if you ever had a culture. So, you know, that's, so that's where I, I, I kind of – I was slightly on board with you about a Dan Quinn who could maybe come in here and really, you know, whip things into shape, I suppose. But, but at the same time, if you don't get the, the quarterback right and you don't get the guy in here to can build the quarterback, then what have you got? And if they believe – that the culture is that bad in that locker room, then then it's going to be on everybody, whether it's the new head coach who's never been a head coach or, or, or Raheem Morris who's been there before and has learned from his mistakes or whatever didn't go right. But somebody's going to come in and, and they're going to have a, a, a come-to-Jesus meeting with these players because you simply can't have you know a, a lax attitude in the locker room and it's hard for me to understand how players in any situation can get comfortable, I guess, if that's the right word. I don't know. When you when you've missed the playoffs the last two years and you just totally flamed out last year, I would think if I'm – and some of those players that did really piss them off, the DeForest Buckners and people like that, I mean, they were probably ready to take some of their teammates out behind the woodshed and let them have it. But it's just hard. It, it, it's it's really startling if a good portion of that locker room was competitively soft. I, I you know how else do you look at thirty three points at you know in the fourth quarter at Dallas and, and choking at Minnesota and, and losing you know and I've always said here I've, I've you know Frank apparently was part of the problem or at least what was going on in the locker room was on his watch, and I'm still convinced if they had stuck with Frank and turnovers and all had stuck with Matt Ryan, they might have won the AFC South. You know, I, I think that's really, really easy for me to argue. It really is. I mean, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, you're going to make a play or two at Minnesota. You're going to beat Houston. All of a sudden, you're maybe you win the AFC South. Of course, then, then you're in an awful situation moving forward because then you got to a, a crappy draft pick, and and you've got issues everywhere, primarily quarterback. So it worked out best for the franchise. But, boy, if you've got a locker room that needs to be whipped into shape, uh, that that's going to be primary, you know, the, the primary objective. And whether that's whether that would have been a Dan Quinn or Ryan Morris or one of the coordinators, they've got to get that done uh, and, and then get the quarterback in place. It, it, it starts with, with the attitude and the one two in the locker room. It's just hard for me to believe that that team would have had enough players who were, lack of a better word, soft. And if that was the case, then major changes were needed and more will be needed. Well, and to me, that's also an indictment on the person that put that group together. No question. No question. And that's why I say that it's, it's, it's with Chris Ballard, they've got to get all of this right coach, uh, quarterback, and, and the locker room. This, this is more his locker room than it was Frank's locker room. I mean, this, the GM and his, and his personnel staff, they put that roster together. You know, yes, with the input from Frank and his assistants and the coordinators, but, you know, by you know, at the end, the end of the thing was this is the GM's roster. And I, I think probably Chris at some point was really – 
surprised, I don't, I don't, shock might not be the right word, but surprised how they lost what he called that competitive confidence. Uh, because if anything, these players ought to be ultra confident. They just have, they just need to be. But uh, they've got to get it fixed. You think Frank will? And granted, he had a great deal of input, and in fact, talked the owner into Carson Wentz, which probably was one of the biggest, if not the largest, reasons as to why he was going to be on a short string after that fiasco in the minds of the owner. Anyway, but do you think now in Carolina? He'll want to be more directly involved in the building of the team, especially at certain positions that here with Chris Ballard, others were of higher priority that certain in this era of the NFL should not have been. I think Frank's a perfect example of a guy who will learn from what didn't go right in Indy. I remember when I talked to him in the season was when he was fired, how he was going to take time to really self self critique. And, well, this worked, this didn't work. Why didn't this work? What could I have done different? So I, I don't think he aspires to be a coach slash GM, but he may want to have a stronger voice in this is what we need to do, and, and this is why. I saw he's already saying that they need to be a not necessarily a run-first team, but a, a run-heavy team because that's even in today's past NFL – you need to run the ball. So it's obvious that Frank hasn't moved off of that, that yet. But he also, and he even said here that, you know, yeah, you can get by with that mid-level quarterback, but you know, you really need to, you really need that guy that you're not going to get the Mahomes or the Burroughs or Hertz or, or Herbert or people like that, but you need to have that next level guy to really do special things. But I, I, it'd be curious to see how what what influence he wants to have. I still think he doesn't want to have that, you know, wear those two hats of coach GM or, or have that much influence with the GM. But I think he's going to say, you know, I, I learned from what didn't work, so so kind of trust me on this, on some things. But I think Frank's pretty set into how he likes to do things. It's a Mike Chapel of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine. You mentioned inaccurately so. The NFL in Super Bowl week does not like to have that altered at all with any other so-called NFL breaking news. I'm curious, you think we may see something slip and find something out this weekend? Oh, it'll slip. If they if they reach agreement with Steichen or well, you could you could hire Callahan tomorrow or Sunday as far as that goes. I just don't think the NFL wants something Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, to take some of the luster off the Super Bowl. But it's going to be really, really hard for them to reach agreement with one of these coordinators or anybody. And and then they realize or understand the NFL wants them to hold it until the day after the Super Bowl. I just think the idea of that that being kept under wraps for that long is, is kind of naive because somebody's going to talk an agent or somebody's going to talk and say, you know, basically see my guy got a job. So I, I think it'd be really, really hard for them to decide on a guy Saturday or Sunday, you know, decide we're going to hold it until after the game and think it won't get out because it will get out. 
I'm just kind of wondering because you asked me last week if I thought something was going to be done by today, and I honestly thought that something would have, and one of the reasons why would have been the upcoming, you know, Super Bowl week that you're going to get into. Which, in terms of thinking when this thing is going to break or drop, I can just imagine like we're sitting around watching IU Purdue tomorrow or something like that, and then all well, of a sudden, boom. I, I, I'm, I'm going to put out there just a, a memo to Chimera saying. Chris Ballard, just give us that two-and-a-half-hour window, would you please, to where we can sit and watch what should be a great game without worrying that something's going to come up. And, you know, one thing that, that maybe has pushed things back a little bit, maybe, is I think I heard on NFL Network that they've not talked to Steichen, yeah. Steichen for the second time. It's supposed to be tomorrow or Saturday. So maybe that's delaying things a little bit. I don't know. You know, maybe they talked to him. In his, his second extensive interview, and they say, "Man, th- this is the guy. Th- this is who we want." And then they've got a, you know, if that's the case, then don't have a third round of interviews. Just it, it's, it's it's on some level, it's disrespectful from the other people. So if you come away with the Philly interview, and you just know this is a the guy, then then just sort of if if you want to announce it, fine. It's not quite Super Bowl week yet. Of course, then that would mess up our IU-Purdue game. I would almost be willing to do that. If it was to name a coach, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But but I, I do think that maybe the Steichen thing, not talking to him yet, maybe that has delayed things a little. I don't know. But going back to what you originally said, outside of him, what else do you want to hear what, now? What was the Aaron Glenn last-minute thing? I don't know. I I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh I, I never anticipated, probably like a lot of guys, that there would be eight second interviews. I just think that's kind of, you know, what about what if you were one of the five guys that didn't get a second interview? And I realize a couple of them, uh, Quinn and Ben Johnson, pulled their names out. But boy, the other three guys, you're thinking, what about me? You're standing here kind of looking around. But again, bottom line is to be in thorough, but. Also, what we said is what outside of the Philly guy, what can you possibly glean from a third interview? I, I don't know. Yeah, that part should be interesting. You have any expectation for anybody? And I know everybody always mentions like Bubba Ventrone, for example. Do you have any expectation that somebody may hang around from uh, what was this past coaching staff? And I, I guess as far as Gus Bradley is concerned, and uh, this would be up to the – you would think – to the head coach, whomever they end up naming, is I think Bradley still might be a possibility. I, I, I guess, but again, that new coach wants to bring his own people, and we've seen that all over the place. Didn't Sirianni kind of take a boatload of Colts assistants with him to Philly? He did. Uh, I'm not. I've not seen. I've seen a couple of guys that Frank have named. Uh, uh, Deuce Staley is he going to be running yep. backs coach? I he think. was. And, he was in Detroit, right? And I think a couple other guys. I was surprised that he hasn't taken Bubba. I think he he somebody mentioned that he that he's sticking with Carolina special teams guy because because I know Frank really really was high on Bubba. Um, so I I don't know. I I would tend to think very few guys will be back because that new coach just as he should. He you know he, he should want to bring his own people in here and. Like I said, that's the only thing that if you let this thing go past the Super Bowl is a lot of those coaches that he might want 
They can't wait around. If he says, well, you know, I'm going to bring this guy in as my coordinator, and this guy is my defensive coordinator, and if I get the job. So then he tells those guys, well, hey, if I get the job, I, I want you. Well, can they wait 10 days or two weeks if they have another offer? Probably not, because then what if he doesn't get the job? So that, that, that's, that would be the only, to me, the major drawback is you might lose a, a coach or two. But uh, I, would, I, I really thought Frank might take a few guys more with him, and, and he still might. You know, these guys are still under contract with the Colts. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, most of them are. You normally sign a two-year deal. You know, w- w- would Reggie come back here? I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, it's just It's just what that new – coach once on his staff and I I don't think the Colts would, would be wise to force to bring in a new coach and say, Oh, by the way, you're gonna have these three guys sticking around on your staff. I, I don't think that would be wise. So you gotta let that guy bring his new staff in as much as possible. If memory serves, when Ryan Gregson was fired, wasn't that on IU Purdue Day in Bloomington? Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> Well, I thought quit. it was. Quit, quit thinking out loud. Sometimes you think too much. I don't know. I, I moved from year to year, and whatever happened a year, two years ago, five years ago, that's a that's a lifetime ago. I'm just, yeah, I'm trying to think. Blaming you if it happens. January, January of 2017. I thought that that was. I remember it was an unusually warm Saturday. And I remember that I kind of got word of it, and I was like calling. I just I, I called Kravitz, and I said, "Hey, uh, what you doing?" And he said, well, "I'm going down to Bloomington." So I'm uh, assuming that I thought it was IU and Purdue down there that day. So maybe, maybe, but you know, if that happens, I, again, I blame you because I hadn't thought about that. And if I find out, I'll call you. And make sure you don't go to the IU Purdue game. You get to come back up here. No, I'm just joking. I'm not going down there anyway. But I, but no, you, at least brace me to see if I need to tape the game or if I can actually watch the game. No, yeah, surely not. Surely they not. Also, they didn't they didn't listen to you either because IU flamed out in 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 their play-in game. I remember you said it was a must-win because you wanted everything on the line on Saturday, <laughs> and then they went down and. Wait a minute. That was a, I explained myself accurately and thoroughly yesterday. That was a must win. It was a soft must win. It wasn't one of these sure. like like the Colts week one must wins. Those are hard must wins. And I will say my percentage is very low. The Colts percentage is very low when I tag them with a hard must win situation. But I'm much, much more much better in terms of percentages when I tag a team with a soft must win. So honestly, Tuesday night doesn't happen that very often when I tag a team like IU with a soft must win. So, well, I wish they would have played better. I, you know, it's funny. You, you how much better it looks like you play when you hit your shots. Yeah, well, when, when shots are dropping, anybody around Trace, really if if Trace could just get any level of consistent offensive support, things would would certainly be better for this team. We I had him on a little bit earlier and you know obviously he wasn't going to say anything like that. He still believes in his guys, but man, when when guys like Bates had that game against Michigan State, they looked so much better, so much more cohesive offensively and if he could just find somebody to consistently come along for the ride offensively, man, this team would be much different. I hope I hope and I don't think it's going to happen. I hope both he and Edie stay out of foul trouble and just play like I don't know 34 minutes 
against each other. I'm going to see how they, I, I think that'd be a great thing, but one of them is going to get in foul trouble because that's what seems to happen in these games. I'd love to see start to finish these two guys on top of their games and carrying their team. Although Purdue, they got three or four guys that when they're on, they're tough to beat. When they, when those guys hit those shots outside, and I sound like a basketball guy now, they're going to be tough to beat. They really are. Well, and you know, Mason Gillis last night setting that Mackey Arena record. Did he finish with eight or nine? Did he? Did he? Oh, I think it was nine. I think he had. Uh, so nine, nine was the record for the for the for, for Mackey, Mackey Arena. For yeah. Mackey Arena, I think he had twenty. What do you have? Twenty nine points overall. So what? Nine threes and uh, two in there someplace else. And what, what's amazing about that is I loved what he said after the game. He said, "You know, sometimes I don't have." Yeah, maybe I should have more confidence in myself. And yeah. that's different because he has confidence in making it. But because he's not the main option and you have a super main option in Edie and so many around you, then, you know, maybe you defer more times ultimately as an offensive player as you should just because of that. Well, I tell you, again, when, when threes drop, it's fun. I remember back in the day I covered Butler for the star. And it was during Chad Tucker and Darren Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald was like, Five foot tall. Unbelievable. But boy, he could shoot to three. He, they were games he'd have eight, nine, ten. And it was unconscious. Kind of like the, who was the Purdue guard? Uh, Carson Edwards? Yes. And you're thinking, holy crap. And they, when they're on, the game is totally different. And that's like, again, with you like any team, when you're hitting your threes, everything's easier. Three's better than two, Mike. You yep. know that. I mean, you, bad, you may my, live my in Beach State Grove, State. but you know that to be true. There's uh, no doubt. My Beach Grove, Ball State education, I, I do know that. <laughs> All right, buddy, I appreciate that. Maybe this time next week we're talking about a new head coach. Hope so. Doubt it. Me too. Thanks, Mike. Later.